0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am your host, Brian Higgins, and I am joined today by my partner in crime and today my partner in quarantine, mm. Aaron Silvato. Aaron, how yes. are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I am definitely in quarantine, hanging out at home. Working from home is what I normally do, but now everyone in the world gets to join me. It's great.
0: It's strange knowing that working from home was always this available thing to me (laughs) and that it's something that if I needed to do it, I could pull it off and then actually being forced to do it. Right. I think most of my nights, what I want to do is just be home. Right. And now that I'm told I have to be home, I desperately don't want to be home. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, that's because you're anti-authoritarian, right? That sounded smart. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'll take that label. It's crazy because it's like, it's an option. It's like, hey, I can work from home. But now it's like, no, you need to. You have to. Everyone should. It's crazy. These are, these are crazy times. That's what we're talking about today with the coronavirus, COVID-19. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. How, how are you feeling about all this?
0: It is definitely crazy, and to kind of let all of you in a little bit on the process leading up to this episode, we first started texting about this, Aaron, probably a week ago. Yeah. We mentioned, is this something we should bring up on the podcast? Is this something that we should talk to or speak speak to, is the way that I should say that. Right. And we both kind of decided at that point, we're not experts. Yeah we don't want to pretend we're experts
1: right so let's just kind of leave it be yeah let's just leave it be and see what happens and then it happened like <laughs> it escalated yeah and then it's literally then the whole world changed in a week this has been literally the, like the real life version of that gif that's just will farrow going well that escalated quickly that's what this is it's insane <laughs> it's it, really, it is really is truly insane and i i literally remember just a few weeks ago, hearing about this and thinking, oh man, that's crazy. Like, hope it doesn't come here. Ha, ha, ha Like just, you know, like that feeling of like, that's a distant problem I'm praying about for people far away, but it's not really affecting my life. And then within one week, it's radically affecting my life and the life of everyone around me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Last week, it felt like the coronavirus was going to go the way of the Australian wildfires. Right. of that's a thing that's way over there. It's the story of the week. Glad I don't, yeah, glad I don't have to deal with it. Sad that it's happening. I should learn a little bit more about it. I should pray more for those people. Right. But I thought that was going to be it. And now where I'm living in California, as of last night, we all got told from our governor that shelter in place is the new standing order until we hear something different, which who knows when that will be or what that something different will be.
1: Yeah, totally. So in brief, let's just kind of recap our personal situations. I'll go first because it's the less complicated one. For me and my wife, I work from home already, so we've just made the decision, we're gonna stay at home. Oklahoma has about 45 cases of the disease. We just had our first death in Tulsa, And so our thought is we've got grandparents out here who are old. Some of them are kind of sick and we don't want to do anything that could put them in jeopardy. We're just trying to be cautious. And so it's like, since we work from home, since Amazon Prime is a thing, since Walmart delivery is a thing, let's just continue to stay home and kind of do our part, our small part, but our important part of trying to just curb this thing. So that's where we are. My wife and I, stepped outside of the house for the first time two days ago and took a five minute drive and then came back home. And yeah, we we're just kind of at home hiding out. So yeah. What about you, Brian? What's going on with you?
0: In a pretty similar boat, things have been a little bit more complicated on my end because I yeah. don't normally work from home. I'm in the small gathering business. I work at a Christian college, Calvary Chapel Bible College.
1: yeah and Every Monday I've been... That's where the situation gets yeah. more complicated is with the school.
0: Yeah, things have gotten a little bit more complicated with the school. I have been very grateful that there are a lot of competent, thoughtful, decisive leaders who are above me, so that mm-hmm. I've had a lot of opportunity to learn from their example and to not feel at all in this alone. We made the decision last Friday that we were going to move our spring break up and we were going to encourage as many students who could head home to go ahead and do so, to go right. be with their families and find the place where they're going to be able to bunker down for the the long haul of it, essentially. Right. All of our classes are moving to an online format. So I've spent this whole week kind of figuring out what it's like to work online and what it's like to work from home yeah. when your business is teaching. But even mm. though... California as a whole has over a thousand cases. Most of those cases are up near San Francisco. So they're about six hours away from where my wife and I are. Right. But I think the the interesting thing about everything going on with COVID-19 to me is even though we have all of these maps and this knowledge about where the virus is, where it came from, where it's moving to even though we can look at maps and feel pretty confident about the knowledge we have, I still feel like no one really thinks they're completely exempt from it.
1: Yeah. And it's something I'm realizing we really do need to take seriously because again, you know, you're, you're saying similar things that me and my wife have said where you're like, yeah, there's, you know, a thousand, you know, cases in California, but you know, it's in San Francisco is the the main hub. But just a week ago, we were saying, "Ah, oh, it's not here in America. It's more of a China thing. And then look what happened in one week. So really, we don't know what's going to happen between this week and seven days from now. You know?
0: Yeah, it's entirely true. One of the maps that I've been looking a lot to is the New York Times map because they have a really nice way of displaying it and kind of laying that information out. As of the time that we're recording, the current New York Times map says that there are 15,650 cases confirmed wow. throughout the United States and at least 202 deaths. Yeah. in the United States. And and part of why I want to put that out is because I have found myself checking that map multiple times a day mm. to the point where I don't remember what the number is any given morning. Yeah. It's so by the by the evening changing. when I go to check, yeah, by the evening when mm-hmm. I go to check what that number is, I've completely forgotten what I was comparing it to. Yeah, it's insane. and so I, I don't know if we're gonna look at that number three weeks from now and say, "Wow, that was just the beginning," or "Wow, we really were able through all of the different methods and practices that our authorities have passed along to us, we really were able to kind of flatten the curve and." get through the the worst of it together. I, I have no idea, but just cementing here's what a number was at one point, I think can be helpful to look back on and gain knowledge from later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that we can't know. And so we're in this area of just like, we got to just take it one day at a time. That's what I keep saying to my wife when she has moments of fear and anxiety You know, I, I'm just trying to assure her that all we can really do is pray and just take this one day at a time. I think it would be good here to just stop for a minute and talk about fear. I mean, let me ask you, are you afraid at all? I don't think fear is the right word to describe where
0: I'm at. I don't think I'm fearful of what's happening. Mm. I would say that I have concern and I have reason to closely monitor what's happening. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me trying to convince myself I'm not afraid or if other people with that kind of thought pattern are doing the same thing. Mm. I think it was really interesting this last Sunday as churches really rapidly had to move from we're meeting in large congregations to in California it was illegal last Sunday to Mm. have more than 250 people in your church yeah crazy so and that didn't become law until the Thursday before so yeah it was a really really quick shift
1: it's all happening so fast and like if I'm honest I am feeling some fear and I think a lot of people listening to this might be like feeling some fear. It's it's progressed beyond just concern for me. And, and that's actually a topic I want to talk with you about because I know from listening to sermons from pastors that I love and then from being a pastor myself, so much of the time when it comes to hardcore crazy situations in our life we kind of default as Christians to this idea of like, hey, God has not given us a spirit of fear, so we should just have courage. But what I'm wrestling with right now is I actually am really feeling fear. Like the emotion of fear, it takes me back to, I remember being a kid and watching the Twin Towers fall on the news. And there was just for a long time after that, this fear in the back of my mind of, what if we get attacked again? You know, as a child, it was like, what if the terrorists come after us again? What if they hit us again? What if instead of the Twin Towers, they start hitting our cities and our towns and our suburbs? And that's kind of what I'm experiencing now is just this idea of like, man, what's gonna happen? For my wife and I, it's this daily dance of trying to be brave and trust the Lord. We're praying so much and asking God for help so much and putting our trust and reassuring each other in him. But then there's these moments where we're like, what if what if our grandma catches this? You know, what if what if Brooklyn's my wife's grandpa or in grandma catches this? What if my sister who has diabetes catches this? Um, as I as I hear the reports, you know, and initially I don't know if you heard this, but what I always heard was this really is only an old person problem. If you're really old, that's the only mm-hmm. person that this can kill. But the more that I research and the more that I find out it's actually there's people in their forties who've died from this. There's people in their fifties. There's people my age and your age. So it's, it's something where as much as I want to be brave and I'm trying to be brave and I'm trying to trust the Lord, there is an emotion of fear that crops up a lot during this.
0: And I think to some degree, there's an element where fear can be helpful. If you're backpacking through the wilderness and you hear a strong growling in the distance, Mm, you shouldn't quote to yourself, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. Let's walk towards the growling. Right. That's a helpful reaction.
1: Yes. It's biological. Like God is actually... It's weird. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but God has given us a biology of fear as a good thing, where if a truck is coming towards me, I'm not supposed to just stare at it and go, oh, trust in the Lord, all, all, he takes care of all things. And then like, I'm going to get hit by the truck. So are, are, you're kind of exactly. making the point that it's not, so experiencing fear, experiencing the emotion of fear, it's not a sin to experience the emotion of fear. It's what do you do with that fear? Are you giving into it? Are you submitting to it and saying, I'm going to live my life where I'm constantly just worrying and giving in to the anxiety. Um, it's it's kind of like this idea of like, we can have fear, but then do we give it to Jesus or do we hold on to it ourselves?
0: So what I was actually thinking before we got onto this trail was I was going to ask, and I don't think it was, this would be as helpful anymore. I was going to ask the difference between concern and fear, but I think that's getting this verse wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think fear is the word that we should really dive into and try to define, I think spirit Mm. is the word that matters more in the sentence. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And when I think about it in that sense, I don't think that the Christian life should have an overall characteristic of fear. When Mm. we think about the way that Jesus lived and when we think about the things that really marked him, We would first go to love and compassion and graciousness and his life giving power. We wouldn't necessarily go to the moment where he's praying in the garden before his crucifixion and he's anxious and he's worried and he's, yeah, that's really wrestling through the ramifications of what's about to come next. Like that happened for him, Mm. but it's not what his overall spirit was,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that's a mind-blowing story. Man, That that's been actually such an encouraging story to me over the years, the story of Jesus in the garden, because I don't know about you, but I feel like from talking to people in the older generation, there was kind of this idea of you always put on a brave face. You never let anyone see you sweat. And kind of this idea of like, you know, don't show your emotions. Don't let people see that you're crying or afraid and the whole i've seen i've seen a lot of times you know right now our our world i mean anxiety is such a big thing we have talked about this on the wesley town mm-hmm. episode it's such a big thing everyone's having anxiety everyone's having panic attacks and all that kind of stuff and i've seen people kind of roll their eyes at that but i heard tim Mackey teach a sermon one time where he talks about jesus in the garden he's like medically what jesus is experiencing when he's sweating drops of blood is a panic attack. Like he's having an anxiety attack about all of the the stuff he's going to have to face on the cross and all of the unknowns for him of what that pain at that level is going to feel like. And that just blew me away. Um, And Tim, even at the end of the sermon talks about when you're in your own moments of fear, when you're in your own moments of fear and you're, you know, kneeling on the ground, praying and sweating and just a anxious and, and afraid. Remember that Jesus is right there with you. Like he's he's on his knees. He, he's in that moment with you. He went through moments of anxiety so that you could know that he's with you in your own moments of anxiety. And so that's always been a great comfort to me.
0: Yeah, I've always run to Hebrews 4 where it says that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are. Mm, yeah. And I think he was tempted with fear and anxiety and uncertainty in ways that we don't always acknowledge, but like you're bringing up, are completely biblical and are very clearly in the storyline of scripture.
1: Yeah, I've never thought of it in that framing with tempting. Like what is the temptation of fear and anxiety, In, in your opinion, what do you think that is?
0: It's hard to put into words, but when I think about a spirit of fear, I think about someone who feels that they have no control over what's coming next and mm-hmm. that and that the one who does control it doesn't have their best interests in mind
1: yeah right and i looked up that verse i went to the greek as you were talking and so that word spirit is the greek word pneuma in the old testament in the hebrew it would be a ruach and it's this idea of like it's your being it's your breath like it's 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 the air that you breathe all around you. So it's sort of this metaphorical idea of when it says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It's God hasn't given us this way of life where it's like every breath is anxiety. Every breath is fear. That's what consumes us. That's what's all around us. He's given us a Holy Spirit. He's given us a set apart spirit. So the air that we breathe is supposed to be the air of trust and hope and courage And I almost think of it as like, you know, this is just what's coming to my head now, as you're breathing, right? Like the air in my office right now is good, healthy, clean air, but then occasionally there's pollutants that come in, like dust. If I get a big whiff of dust, I'm gonna sneeze and my eyes are gonna water and I'm gonna have a reaction. But the air that I breathe actually around me is good, healthy air. I'm not just in a dust bin sometimes dust is introduced into that. But the air that I breathe is actually good air. And that's kind of how I think of it is anxiety and fear is these dusty pollutants that get into our space and we breathe them in and it causes a reaction. But we need to remember that the actual spiritual air around us is a spirit of comfort. It's God saying, I'm I'm with you and I'm for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And I think that the way to understand the biblical commands in light of that is don't bury your head in the dust. Mm. Remember that yeah. it, it's almost easier in the physical because you have that physical reaction in the spiritual sense. We can start breathing in something our souls were never meant to run on. Yeah. And not fully understand the way that we're shaping ourselves away from Mm -hmm. what God would have us be. He doesn't want us to be a group of dust breathers. He wants us to breathe the clean air of right relationship with him that he offers to anyone who would just turn to him.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And that's, I think what we're trying to do right now in this part of the episode is if you're listening to this, we want you to understand, You don't have to pretend that you're okay. Like you don't have to fake it and just put on a brave face and say, God's got it all all under control and there's no problems here. (laughs) Ha ha. Corona. No problem with that. If you're afraid, you can acknowledge it. Like you can have that reaction. It's not a sin to have a moment of fear, but then are you going to continue to breathe that air? And I think that's just a really healthy way for us to think about it through the weeks and the months that our world is dealing with this crisis are we going to breathe that air of fear or are we going to just treat it as a pollutant and then deal with it and and you know a a practical example of this is my wife and i both had some pretty bad anxiety the other night and we were talking about it you know we had a hard time sleeping and we were like, why is that? Why did we have such bad anxiety that night? And it was because right before bed, we were reading the news and we were reading articles about Corona and and people dying from it and all of these horrible things, which it's not wrong to research. We should be informed. But that's kind of the space that we let ourselves leave in. And it wasn't a good space. And then by contrast, last night, you know, we're. We, we put away our phones before bed. We decided, you know, we're not going to get on our phones. We're not going to read the news as we're trying to fall asleep. And we're going to encourage one another and pray. And it was a much uh, better night of sleep last night. And then, you know, today I'm checking the news. I'm keeping up on what's going on. There's some fear that comes in, but I'm trying to remember to go back to Jesus for my source of, of life and breath and not these things that cause fear.
0: So I think you're bringing up a really good point about being careful about what you're taking in, either from the news or from social media or from whatever outlets we're consuming information about the current situation from. And part of what makes it so difficult is that, like we've been talking about, everything changed in the course of a week. Within a week, we've watched articles ranging from are we sure any of this is real to we're all gonna die how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you how have you in trying to breathe that clean air so to speak how have you dealt with the whole variety of what's being said and written about COVID 19.
1: i think i'm trying to take it with a grain of salt you know <laughs> i don't know if you're you're the same way but for, for me it's like there, there's so much stuff there's so many articles there's so many youtube videos and i am definitely trying to just watch them and absorb them and and chew out the meat and spit out the bones if that makes sense and also you know i'm trying to stay uh, i'm trying to pay attention to trusted sources i'm trying to avoid conspiracy theories and those are all over facebook right now facebook is just the cesspool of misinformation that i
0: think has been the most interesting thing to see shift of two weeks ago. I remember all the memes floating around of in 1999, we thought Y2K was going to kill us. And in 2004, we thought, you know, knee flu was going to murder us or whatever, all the (laughs) different things were listed. And then it would just end with, this is just another year. This is just another thing. Yeah. And what's been encouraging is watching most of that entirely disappear. Yeah. Watching most
1: of that kind of fall to the wayside, but it's still... It seems like everybody's on the same page for the most part. Republicans, Democrats, everyone in between, like everyone's like, hey, this is serious, let's take this serious, or bad things will happen. But that's really only happened, it feels, within the last four days. Yeah, it's been the m- most devastating thing, but also the most uniting thing in a lot of ways, but... The conspiracy theories have been definitely getting out of hand. And just uh, it's been crazy even now to see people on Facebook saying this is just a hoax. It's just a Chinese hoax. It's just it's a fake thing. It's fake news. And it's like, are you are you for real? Are you for real right now? Yeah. You want to ask,
0: like, so which part is the fake? All of the people who need to plan funerals or all of the people who are needing ventilators and don't have them like was all of italy in on it or just part of it (laughs) yeah it's
1: it's just it's it's sad another thing that's been kind of getting on my nerves if i'm honest in this situation is i've you know how we've seen churches close down and do their services online right Mm -hmm. so one thing i've seen in a few places is I, it was last Sunday, just a few days ago, that was the first time this happened where churches had to make the quick, mad switch to live stream. And, you know, guys like my dad are preaching their messages live stream to an empty room. Um, and it's been good, it's been helpful. People have been able to tune in on Sundays from their living rooms. And it's a miracle that we have this technology. But last Sunday, I was seeing some churches saying, "Eh, we're not scared of Corona. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Our doors are open. Come on down. And, you know, in a few places, I saw some churches almost kind of playing this card of like righteousness of, you know, we're the true believers. Like we're the ones who don't have a spirit of fear, you know, come down and fellowship with us. And I don't know, it just kind of bummed me out.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating to see the idea of we're the ones who really trust in God because we're not listening to what our authorities are asking us to do. Right, to like the, the government.
1: The, yeah. Because a lot of churches view the government as the enemy, and this is this seems like an overreach, the government telling us we need to close our doors.
0: Yeah, and and there's been a lot of libertarian fear, I suppose, of this is the gateway to larger government. And I kind of want to leave the politics off to the side in this, but just seeing the church's reaction of we are bound to no one but Jesus, so we can kind of do what we want. When Romans makes it really clear, hey, if your government is asking you to do something and that thing isn't directly sinful, maybe just
1: do it right and so i think if the situation tell me if you agree but if the situation was like if the government suddenly was like we don't think churches are a good thing and we don't want to support churches and all churches have to close down and if you guys want to do a live stream on instagram that's fine but no more churches and there was no reason like the, if the virus wasn't happening i'd be like heck no let's fight that like mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. when it's that's when it's time to become a revolutionary and and fight the power But if it's like, but even then, yeah, but even in that scenario that you just laid out, I
0: don't think that Jesus would be saying be as boisterous and unwilling to listen and be as argumentative as you can be within that. Like, I don't think Jesus is ever looking at the stance of, well, you can't tell me what to do. Like you're not my dad. Like even if you're standing for a result that I think Jesus would want, which is churches remaining churches, it, especially if the government is just like you can't do that anymore because, yeah. Like I, I agree with you, I would definitely be vocal against that. Well, but I but I wouldn't want to be belligerently against it.
1: No, and and I think that that's the crazy thing we see in the epistles. You know, you've got Peter in one of his books, either First or Second Peter writing to the early church while they're under the oppression of the Roman em- Empire. You know, that this is during the time of church persecution where they're being tracked down and thrown to the lions and executed and crucified like Jesus. And Peter says, yeah, like obey the authorities, honor the emperor. And <clears throat> that doesn't mean that they shut down their, their church. Like they, they were doing underground, hidden secret church. That was in direct violation of the government for sure. But Peter still is pushing this idea of like, yeah, let's do our best to be good people in this land. Let's not be the kind of people that are just griping and railing on the government, which is crazy when the government is the one who's like taking your friends and family and throwing them to the lions. So yeah, it's definitely the model that we're given uh, in the Bible, not to do what I see sometimes on Facebook, which dude, it gets, it gets crazy on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen some people, <laughs> Christians, Christians, On Facebook getting excited about the idea of like Christian militias like getting ready to take down the government if it gets that far so I'm like "Uh, no maybe that's not what Jesus taught us to go grab some AK-47s and take out the government that's definitely not the kingdom Wow yeah I haven't seen any of that but well that's that's not in uh, response to the coronavirus that's in response to if the government tries to take our guns
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I was, I was going <laughs> to say... That's a whole other episode. Yeah, that, that's a whole different thing. But I'm just
1: saying those people are out there. Like, they're excited about the potential of Christians rising up to just overthrow the government if they step too far.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, what I've been really encouraged by is seeing different churches abide by government mandates and talk about how this is a way we can love our community. And to yeah. me, that is so in line with Jeremiah where it talks about when you go into exile mm. do your best to benefit the people you're around and, yes. and so much has been said about how social distancing goes a long way in flattening the curve and in saving lives so we don't need to necessarily rehash that information that's readily available so to, so to just think that to say we can use this to advance our own liberty just seems so anti- what Jesus would want the church saying today. Rather, it's how can I give of myself right. to be a blessing to others, not, well, I want to keep going to a building on Sunday, so I'm going to do it no matter what. Like yeah, That rebelliousness yeah. is just not what Jesus would have, I don't think.
1: And what, what an amazing moment that we're in right now where we are so connected through the internet that we can broadcast the gospel through a live stream. We can put out podcasts. We can literally have discussions on Facebook and Instagram. It's almost like we've taken it for granted. And I heard one pastor bring this up the other day where he's like, it's crazy because for years, we've been kind of preaching this idea of in-person connection is so important. Let's get off our phones, let's disconnect, let's stay off social media and meet in person. And now he's like, now we have to preach the opposite. And we have to kind of acknowledge like, these things aren't bad. Like Instagram and Facebook aren't bad. If we use them, we're good. And we can actually really connect. Yeah. it. One
0: of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how lucky we are to be doing this today instead of when the 1918 flu struck. Yeah. Like oh trying gosh. to do this a hundred years ago, that would be a whole different kind of thing because you'd never see it coming or yeah, I imagine they found things out way later than we were finding things out. Yeah, the the idea of having your numbers update multiple times a day
1: would have been impossible. Can you can you imagine, Brian, if this was happening and we lived in a time where all we could do was sit at home, read the newspaper? There's no telephone even invented, and and all you and I could do is write letters to one another, <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. Put yourself in that headspace of how much more fear and uncertainty and isolation you would feel if we couldn't be having this conversation right now. So let me push back on that for a
0: moment because (laughs) I don't know if we would feel more fear. Right. Because we wouldn't have as much information. We wouldn't have the information we have. What we'd have is a lot more people dying. Yeah. Because by the time we realized we should actually just all hang out at home. The disease would already be everywhere, right? And the idea of like the fear is almost the price we have to pay for 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 knowledge for for knowledge knowledge. of good and evil. Yeah, we have to be aware of what could actually happen. But Hmm. there's the potential. I mean, I'm I don't want to make any you know predictions or whatever. But there's the potential that because of all of our knowledge, we won't see the hospital surge. That's the hope. That's yeah. That's the hope, at the very least.
1: So, at this point in the show, we're going to take a minute to address some questions that have come in. The Good Line Podcast has a group chat on Instagram with some excellent people in, and as we were discussing this episode, we were like, "Hey, guys, what do you think? What are questions you have about this?" So. I'm going to start reading some of them. This question comes from, I'm going to totally mess up her name, but it looks like Varian Berry. She's a musician in Ireland. And here's what she said. It would be great to have some advice on how to sensitively comfort people in these times with the gospel and the word. I struggle with knowing when to share as people are so scared at the moment where I am as with everywhere else, I'm sure. But I know the Lord can use these times to open hearts. What do you think of that, Brian? Like what's some good way? What's some advice on how to sensitively comfort people in these times with the gospel and the word? I think that's a
0: great question and it shows a really good heart of wanting to be a comfort for people instead of just wanting to get a bunch of people to believe what you believe. So really appreciate the heart of that question. Mm. I would encourage you to begin with listening. I don't know if there is one blanket way to sensitively comfort people because people's fears are coming from different things. Some people are afraid that they are personally going to get sick. Yeah. Some people are afraid that their family is going to get sick. Some yeah. people are afraid about their source of income or yeah. lack thereof. Oh There's, gosh, yeah. There are all these different things that people are afraid of. So you can't just meet someone and say they're afraid. So here is what I do for them. I think yeah. it's listening to what is the specific fear that this person has. How can I first do my best to understand where they are? Yeah. Then it'll be a lot easier to speak to their specific situation and not do it in a way of you're afraid fear is bad trust jesus instead like Like what we talked about before exactly that's not gonna win people over
1: yeah i Mm -hmm. absolutely agree brian and i'll just say really quickly that this is like an unprecedented time for evangelism and um what i mean by that is I don't think this is a time for apologetics in the sense of us going out on the Internet and posting videos and posts about why atheists are wrong and why Muslims are wrong. Like this isn't the time for that. I think the time right now is like Brian was saying, let's listen. Listen to the real fears of people around you, talk to them, let them vent their frustration, let them vent their fears. If you're talking to someone who's not a Christian, let them just open up about this struggle. And then it's a great time to just share about the hope that you have in Jesus, not in a way like you were saying, Brian, where it's like, Oh, you idiot. You're afraid. I'm not afraid. I have Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to heaven. Nothing can hurt me. But in a way, just a very real raw way of like, Hey, Let me tell you about the hope that I do have, where no matter what happens, this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a God who has saved me. He saved my soul. He saved my body if my body dies like here's what's gonna happen there's a new heaven there's a new earth with no disease and no death that i'm looking forward to and and god is here to comfort me and he really does yes i'm afraid yes i struggle but god is comforting me during this time and i'd love to talk with you about what it looks like for you to experience that i i just think this could be such a radical time for sharing the gospel with people
0: This next question comes from my good buddy, Evan Margareta.
1: Evan. He may be our best fan. Really? Would he describe himself as a fan or as a friend of the show? Um, We can call him a fan friend of the show. I like that. A friendly fan. He's a friendly fan of the show. Evan, when you hear this, call me. It's been a while. And I know that you will
0: because I said it.
1: Give him a call.
0: Evan asks, does Second Chronicles 7.14, which is the verse that talks about uh, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and repent mm-hmm. of their iniquity, I'm paraphrasing right now, right. Uh, then I will heal their
1: land and will restore them from what's going on. That's, this is a verse I see shared all the time on Facebook during political moments.
0: Yeah, that that's the heart of the verse that I was too lazy to Google. <laughs> Does that verse apply directly to current events or... Is it wildly misapplied by the church as a national call to repentance whenever some tragedy or
1: crisis happens? Aaron, a lot of people are seeing that verse. What says you? Okay, side note, Brian was going to answer this and then he made me answer it. So thanks a lot for that. Side side note, Aaron was going to answer the first
0: question first and then just dropped it on my lap. There, well, That's how we do it.
1: This I'm sure is how we'll the both, sausage is made. I'm sure we'll both have things to say. But okay, here's what I think. I think this is one of the many verses that can at times be misused. Here's what I think, okay? I think you can't just take every single verse in the Bible and say, that works for me. Like if if Jesus says... Here, here's a great example. There's a there's a time in the Old Testament where I think either Elijah or Elisha is talking to a guy with leprosy and the guy's like, I'm sick, what do I do? And either Elijah or Elisha says, go and bathe in the Jordan River like seven times, right? You know this mm-hmm. story, right? Yeah, So it's in there. So then for us to read that and go, oh, well, obviously if I'm sick, I should just go bathe in the river seven times and everything's gonna be okay. That's not how the Bible works. So there is a verse that says in Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my nation prays and repents, then God will spare them from judgment and they'll turn back to him and all this great stuff is gonna happen. So when that was written in that moment, that is what was going on. That is what God set up that chain of events where he was looking for repentance and the land would be spared. That doesn't always mean that's gonna happen every time. And I think that God is always looking for repentance. I think we should always be repenting. I think we should always be going to the Lord and saying, man, we have sinned as a, as a person. I have sinned as a, as, a, as a state. There's sin in Oklahoma. There's sin in California. As a nation, we've sinned. We should always be repenting. But that's not a guarantee that it's going to make all our problems go away. In fact, you know, Jesus says to his 12 disciples, you guys are going to face persecution. You guys are going to face hard things. You're going to even, in some circumstances, face death. But part of being a Christ follower, a lot of times, is suffering. It is. Um, I'm getting into my my preaching voice right now. I feel like, but it, it's when we follow Christ. It's not a guarantee that everything's going to go our way. In fact, in this life, we are going to face hardships. So, should we look at that verse and say, "Is this verse a call to repentance?" Well, the whole Bible is a call to repentance. So, like, yes, let's let's pray. Let's try to get our nation to turn to God. A lot of things will be better <laughs> if we do that. But it's not a magic formula where we can guarantee that everything's going to go our way if we do. I completely agree and have nothing to add.
0: No, kidding. <laughs> I do completely agree though. I think I think that that verse comes with a very specific promise for the healing and continuance of Israel. I don't think we can apply that promise directly to the nation of America. God never made that specific promise
1: to America. Or Ireland or New Zealand. I mean, we have listeners in Ireland. We have listeners in England. We have listeners in New Zealand. I was looking at the metrics yesterday, so that's why it's fresh in my mind. Aaron is much more updated on the stats than I am. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's not a guarantee for any nation. Well, hey,
0: if you listen to this podcast and you're not in America, just remember... God didn't promise this to you either.
1: <laughs> we hope you're very encouraged by that.
0: We hope um, that that blesses you. However, one thing that I do want to say, mm-hmm. I don't want to give anyone the impression that the solution then is to not repent and to not yeah. pray and to not party. seek after the Lord. I think just like you're saying, you can live a completely faithful to Jesus life that includes a lot of suffering, a lot of illness, a lot of problems, all things like that. So if you're looking at that verse as the magic formula, I don't think that's the way to live. I think the better place to be is Daniel's friends, where in the Mm. face of being thrown into a fiery furnace, they said, we believe that God can deliver us. We even trust that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, he's still our one true ruler. And I think that's the model for Christians in exile like we are today. We should be saying God can deliver us from all of these different things. He will deliver us in his perfect timing. But even if he doesn't deliver us right now in the way that we're asking for, he's still our one true leader.
1: Ooh, And here's a side note on that. There's a difference between corporate deliverance and personal deliverance deliverance. For instance, let's say- I love how excited
0: you are right now. (laughs) This is great. Keep going. I'm
1: amped up. Good. In the early church, right? Let's say you're an early Christian and you get thrown to the lions and you're going to be eaten by a lion. You might be praying like, God, deliver us, deliver the church, deliver Christians. You might still get eaten by a lion in that moment. You might not experience personal deliverance from your calamity in that moment, but that doesn't mean that God is not going to deliver the church And we need to remember that this story that we're living in is much bigger than our personal narratives of the 80 years we have on this planet. We're a part of something bigger. We're a part of the church and God is delivering his church and he will deliver his church and we will be saved from all trouble. If I get coronavirus, if you get coronavirus and we die tomorrow we're still a part of this deliverance that's gonna take place because in the end, we're spared from hell, we're spared from eternal death, and we get to enter into the new heaven and the new earth where there's no more sickness or disease or dying or any of that stuff.
0: You should just drop your mic right now. Do we have more questions or was it just the two?
1: Yeah, we got a few more. Okay, this isn't a question, it is encouragement. I'm going to allow one of the people in our group chat to speak into the podcast right now. Sam Buccelli, my friend and now Brian's friend. He's my former student and now Brian's current student. He came to Uh, my home group when we were still legally allowed to have people at our home. So good. Yeah, he was in my youth group Mm -hmm. and now he's at the Bible College and I'm going to read what he wrote. I was like, hey, do you guys have any questions? And Sam was like, I'm just going to start preaching. So... I'm gonna let him do it. Here's what Sam Bucelli says. What's greatly encouraged me through this time is meditating on James 1, five through six. The Lord's been growing me through this season and through this passage. It talks about seeking wisdom and understanding from God and also states how God so desperately wishes to give it to us, but we must seek without doubting. We need wisdom and proper judgment in these times. So we go to our heavenly father to find it, but when are we doubting? What does it look like to seek wisdom completely lacking of doubt? Dang, what do you think, Brian? What what does it look like to seek wisdom completely lacking of doubt?
0: It's hard to see what it looks like because I think it's more about the internal state of the person who's asking. Mm -hmm. I... I feel like I've had this conversation with Sam already, actually, because James was the book we were going over in our home group. And so we we did get through chapter one. But thinking about asking without doubting.
1: Wait, can I read the can I read that passage really quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I just looked it up. James one, five through six. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to everyone without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Yeah, to ask with
0: no doubting is to ask, I think, with full confidence that you don't need to then turn to a different source to go find your wisdom. I know that I can often pray for wisdom and then finish praying and immediately start thinking, okay, now what am I going to do about this? Hmm. instead of saying i've now asked god to do something about this now hmm. i'm going to sit and wait for him to show me what he
1: wants to do and how he wants to do it yeah absolutely i think that this verse can be misapplied at times i think i think that this verse has even been abused at times by church leaders where let's say you know brian if you and i had a a a young person in our youth group who came to us and said hey i've really been having some doubts about the gospel or I've been having some doubts about evolution uh, or the Bible being authentic, right? If we were just to look at them and say, well, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave being blown and tossed by the wind. You feel the doubter. If, we, if that's our response, that's not a good response. The reality, and I've said this over and over again in many different contexts and sermons and podcasts jesus can deal with your doubts he's big enough to deal with your doubts look at thomas doubting thomas that's his nickname jesus has risen from the dead the other disciples are saying you know jesus has risen and thomas is like you know what if i don't see the holes in the hands i'm not going to believe it does jesus burst through the wall and say thomas you idiot how dare you you're like a wave being tossed around no, he, he shows him the holes in, in the hands. Jesus is bigger than our doubt. He, he loves doubters. He's able to help doubters in their moment of doubt. So when I read this verse, you know, to me, I understand that at times I'm going to have doubt in my life. God is bigger than that. He can stand with me in my doubt. He can help me. But I think this verse is specifically talking about asking God for wisdom and not doubting that he can give it to you. Mm -hmm. If we come to God and it's like, I need your help. I need, I need your wisdom. I, I need, I need you to provide me with guidance. But in our heart, we're like, I'm not sure that God can help me with this. I'm not sure that God is big enough to address my problem. That's the doubt it's talking about. You can doubt your own knowledge. You can doubt your own understanding. You can doubt your own fears and your own anxieties You can doubt your doubts basically, but when you come to God, have full assurance where it's like, man, I don't understand this. I've got a lot of doubts about this situation, but I am confident that God understands what's going on and he's in this moment with me and he can provide the wisdom that is needed for me to get through this. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to understand everything and have it all figured out. But it does mean that you can confidently go to God and say, I trust that you are in control in this moment. I think that's great. Sweet. Um, and I just realized that Sam did actually have a question. It was just at the end of the message. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Let's go to his question.
1: No, that was. Oh, he okay. said, what
0: does it look like to seek wisdom, completely lacking doubt? That's okay. You let him encourage us, and then we responded to his question already. He's the man. Good job, Sam. Our last bit of encouragement in our Good line group chat that we want to share with you comes from Talia. Hi, Talia. Hello. I hope you're doing okay. She says something that I like is the idea of in podcast forum during this time. I'm making her grammar sound worse than it is. Is something that shifts our minds onto how big the God we worship is. Mm, when our perspectives are formed by seeking Him, the things going on around us grow smaller. Like when mm. Peter's gaze was taken off of Christ and placed onto the storm and he started to drown. And she's quoting Matthew 14
1: at -hmm. that point. And that's such a great point. Yeah. She was reading from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change. Mm, That's good. And though the mountain slips into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. It's really, really good. She says that Psalm 46 has also been a great encouragement speaking of the earth's foundation changing, but alluding to the fact that the foundation of God doesn't change. Yeah, that's good. That's that's really good and really encouraging. Things are changing right now, but God is totally unmovable. He doesn't change. He's been through way worse things through humanity's existence, like the bubonic plague. He can get us through this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great. Great reminder that perspective is so important and that
0: we have a little bit more power over our perspective than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. We just look at a circumstance and think, oh, well, of course I need to be looking at this. And yet Peter, in that example she brought up, Mm. had all these circumstances around him that he could have chose not to look at and focus on Jesus instead. And for a time he did, and that was where there was success and for a time he didn't. And that's where real danger started to grip him so really good encouragement
1: that is really good if you would like to join the good lion podcast group chat to talk about the episodes to ask questions and to even get featured on the podcast like we just did today go on instagram and send a message to either me or brian or just the good lion account at good thanks guys okay So Brian, as we're continuing to talk about the coronavirus, COVID-19, the effect that it's having on our world, we've talked about fear, we talk about our response, we've talked about our response of trusting God in our fears. Now I want to ask you the question, what positivity can we find in this? What do you think, man?
0: A lot more than might readily be on the surface. Mm. So one of the situations that this has really brought me back to was working at a local church in New Jersey when hurricane Sandy hit Mm. and when hurricane Sandy hit pretty much the entire state was without power for at least a week. There were some places that went back up really quickly, but there were places where you were 10 days, two weeks without power and tons of flooding. And I remember one night walking outside and with no lights on anywhere Mm this eerie apocalyptic feeling was yeah. was very tangible. And that's something similar to what I think people are feeling now, that it feels like some catastrophic event has occurred and life is different now. But one of the things that I really remember looking back on that time was it completely stripped away everything that wasn't really that important. Mm, yeah. In that time, so many of us were doing 10 hour, 12 hour, 14 hour days, trying to provide as much relief as we could, trying to be as helpful and as present in our local communities as possible. And when we look back on that, we don't look at a single moment of it as wasted. It was all work that mattered. And, and yeah. there's a strangely satisfying feeling about that. Not that you're happy with the circumstances that led to it but yeah you're happy looking back on that kind of response and knowing that you weren't just doing your everyday stuff like it's easy to look back on a day and be frustrated because the thing that you were most consumed with didn't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of your life and Mm. when these kinds of situations come up they force you to only be focused on things that really matter
1: yeah, no, that's true. And I think for me, my heart has definitely been on the stuff I think matters, which is I want to spend time with my wife. You know, I want to call my mom and see how she's doing. I I want to check in on my grandma. I want to reach out to my friend, you know, who's going through a really rough situation right now and say, Hey man, how are you? Can I pray for you? I've found myself way less consumed with my business and you know, just random stuff, video games, social media, some of that stuff's been helping me process and, and kill time. But there has been a big focus on, man, we need to just band together and do what's important. And I think, I think that's what I'm seeing a lot. Like I'm seeing pastors all over Instagram and Facebook get on there to encourage people and, and, and not necessarily caring about like, Oh, what's the attendance of this live stream going to be, you know, what are the numbers? Everyone's just doing their part. And some guys have a lot of numbers. Some guys are streaming and encouraging people. And, you know, just a few people are watching, but everyone's kind of mindset is like, we need to all encourage one another. We need to build one another up. Um, I'm a part of a group chat with a community group in my church and everybody in that group chat is being amazing. These aren't ministry trained people. It's just lay people, people in the church, but they're encouraging one another and praying for one another and saying, how can we help? Do you need someone to deliver groceries to you? Do you need someone to buy you toilet paper? Or, you know, what What is going on with you? How can we help? And that's a positive thing, seeing people band together and focus on what's important.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to see how this is reminding people that community really matters. Yeah. I was reading David Brooks of the New York times talks about the need for social connection and how Mm. we're all becoming aware of that need. And he says the great paradox of course, is that we had to be set apart in order to feel together. Mm. I've been writing about the social fabric for years now, but you really only see it after you've lost it. Mm. It's amazing seeing just a week ago, we could have very easily recorded a podcast about how every time people get together, they're on their phones. And a lot of people would have listened to it and they would have chuckled and they would have gone, oh, that's me sometimes. And it would have been an easy conversation for a lot of people to relate to. Now it feels like it'd be the most tone deaf thing to do because so many people are (laughs) craving... Like, remember when we could just sit down with other people? Like, it's interesting to see the overall outcry for, and we really miss
1: community. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that community online is going to be a really important thing for the next few months. This is not a shameless plug. I think it's actually an appropriate plug. Mm -hmm. But I just wrote an article for calvarychapel.com that's all about how to do community through digital platforms. So I talk about, here's how you can start a community group through Instagram, through Facebook, through Marco Polo, through GroupMe. I list like, you know, three different main methods within some sub methods. And I'll just share a quick story on that. Here, here's an actual practical example of how online community can actually be real. Um, when I, in 2017, went to Ireland, to do missions work with my wife. I was still the youth pastor at Calvary Vista at the time. And I was just like, man, I've got I've got some great people in charge, some great people watching over the students. I'm not worried about them getting good preaching. But I was like, man, I love these guys and I wanna feel connected to them and I want to still be in community with them. But I'm in Ireland and they're in the States. How do we do this? And my wife and I got inspired to start an Instagram group chat. It was a co-ed group. So me and my wife leading it together with six guys and six girls that we selected to be a part of this, this discussion. And it was really cool. Like we just treated it like a home group, like a small group, but it was on Instagram and we set it up where every day of the week, a different person in the group was responsible to share something God had put on their heart. It was so good to go in there and hear from Casey or, or Katie or Bradley about what God was speaking into their life. And for me and my wife, we felt we were growing closer to the kids and we would have these great discussions and we would get prayer requests from them. So I just want to encourage you, if you're if you're a ministry person listening to this and you're wondering, oh my gosh, I can't meet at home. This throws off everything. How can I possibly do ministry now in a real way that connects with people? Trust me, there's so many ways to do it online. So look at that article I wrote. Just go to calvarychapel.com. It's on the front page right now. Um, and yeah, just trust me, there's so many ways to do this that are good and effective Um, just because you're not having face-to-face time doesn't mean that you can't make an impact on people.
0: It's also important to remember these are things people are really searching for right now. This this is one of the few moments where you can pretty much assume everyone you know is bored. (laughs) Everyone is just... Bored and scared. They're bored, they're scared, but they're sitting on their phones or some other device and they're just rechecking their notifications they're seeing if they have anything different to do people are just looking for something that they can be doing so where sometimes we feel like oh I would love to be able to text people or call people but I don't know if I'm interrupting their day I don't know if I'll get a response you know pretty much right now that no one has plans anymore so yeah it's all plans have been canceled yeah. for a while. So now is the perfect moment to do that kind of reaching out and see where it goes with individuals.
1: Yeah. And you have you have no idea how much of an, an impact that can make. Seriously. Like, I just want to encourage everyone listening. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask him, say to him, God, I'm available. Please show me the people that you put on my heart to speak to. And then if he puts someone on your heart... Write that down on a piece of paper or on your phone. Start making a list of people that God is putting on your heart and then just call them or text them and say, how are you? How are you doing? And you have no idea how much impact can come from those conversations. Don't waste the time right now. There's such an opportunity to be used to speak into people's lives and to encourage them and to be there for them. And you might find yourself in conversations that are just honestly life-changing. And you didn't know going into that, it was going to be a life-changing conversation, but God uses it in an incredible way. So don't like, like have faith that he can do that through you. It's not just pastors. It's not just preachers that he wants to do that. It's not, oh, all the pastors are live streaming and let's all just sit back and watch it. God wants the church to be the church right now. So most of what we've been talking about to this point has been
0: online or virtual community within the church. What about for reaching friends and neighbors and coworkers and whoever that that may not have saving faith in Jesus. What about those kinds of conversations?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said before, I think this is a great time to talk to your unsaved friends about Jesus in a way that's encouraging and non-confrontational and a way that's just sharing like, Hey, this is the hope that I have. You know, this is why I'm scared, but I'm not despairing. This is why even if things get terrible, with coronavirus and just millions upon millions of people get infected. Even if I got infected, here's why I have faith. Let me tell you about Jesus. And don't doubt God's ability to use this moment to reach people that don't know him. Let's not just be the church and preach to the choir and just only make podcasts for Christians and only stream sermons for Christians. That's all good stuff. We need that. That's important. But let's not count out Evangelism in this moment. The world needs to hear the gospel right now. I think the best way to wrap this up is to talk about the hope that we actually have. And that hope is found in scripture. I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. I'm reading from the message version says this, I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. The the sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Dang. it's a good paraphrase, Eugene Peterson. Well done.
0: I had never realized how visual that passage was about just a pregnant oh, yeah. woman getting
1: bigger and bigger. Swelling. Mm-hmm. So what does that verse mean in this context, Brian? Like, can you relate that to the situation we're dealing with? Apply that. Yeah, I think
0: the, the first section that you had read about... Not comparing what's going on in this moment to what's coming ahead, because what's coming ahead is so much greater in comparison. It gives us a whole different way of viewing Hmm. the individual struggles we have at this moment. And what makes this moment unique is that we have one collective struggle that we can all kind of unite around. But even that falls into this category of God will still put everything right. Eventually, And the more we see wrong stuff, the more it makes us long for what's right. But also, the more it reminds us that what's right is actually on
1: its way. Right. So there's this idea of we as humanity and the Earth itself is pregnant with something and we're swelling and it's this idea of man, that's really uncomfortable. Pregnancy. I've I've never been pregnant, but I've never given birth. I never will. But I've heard from many women that it's the worst. It feels we're really like breaking your world. a lot of news right now. Pregnancy is <laughs> yeah. the worst science. But you know, I've never given birth. I've heard it's the worst. Most women would say it feels like it's the end of the world. But in the end, it's worth it because of what happens. You have this new life and it's like the object of pain becomes the object of joy the thing that's hurting you becomes the thing that actually gives you the most joy and for us we need to understand that the thing that that this life is pregnant with is the new life it's the new creation that's what's coming there is going to be a day where there's no more sin no more evil no more disease no more death no more coronavirus that is what is happening that's what's on the way it's the kingdom of god jesus was the firstborn of that creation and we are waiting to be born into that we are waiting uh for that to arrive and it's like it's like that childbirth pain where we feel it and we're experiencing it there's there's tremors and contractions that's you know this coronavirus is just one of a long line of contractions that include hurricanes and earthquakes and wars and famines and diseases these are the pains that are happening to our world but in the end we know what's coming is it's the best thing ever it's the world that I'm very excited for the world that we're waiting for
0: yeah absolutely they're the pains that point us toward something greater one of the right one of the passages that I've been thinking a lot about is Amos chapter 4 which I know you've all been thinking about it a lot too Every day. (laughs) In Amos chapter four, there's a long section. Most of the chapter is dedicated to God kind of going over, here are different things that happened to you. And it Mm. reveals the intention behind a lot of these things. So if I pick up in verse six of Amos four, it says, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. And, And this pattern continues in verse seven. It talks about, I withheld rain and your harvest time didn't yield what you thought it would yield. And yet it ends with, but you didn't return to me. And it talks about, I struck your gardens and vineyards and I brought plagues upon Egypt. And in all these things, you didn't return to me. And so there's this pattern of these moments of shaking and notice all of those things are very natural. Like, Yeah, Food not being produced. That seems like it's just part of a world problem. And yet God is saying that world problem was meant to bring you back to me. It was meant to turn your eyes back in my
1: direction. We we talked about that a little bit in like the Gary episode. Mm -hmm. Like, is that God doing that to us specifically or is it God allowing it? We have to realize every bad thing that happens. There's an element that God allowed it to happen. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and so all of this leads up to his conclusion in chapter 5, where it then says, this is what the Lord says to Israel, seek me and live. And it and it mm. speaks through, don't go seeking after these other hopes. Don't go seeking these other people. Seek me and you will find real life. And that, I think, mm. is the the interesting thing about these kinds of moments of shaking. They can reveal how many things we seek that aren't God. But if we have that mindset of these are reminders that the perfect kingdom is on its way, then they can become moments that instead of turning to fear or other gods or idols or worries or whatever, they can become moments where they remind us the king is coming and they actually put our eyes on the king right now.
1: Absolutely. And you know, I I'm, I'm looking at this verse right now, Amos five, uh, verse six. Seek the Lord and live, or He will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. So these are the verses that are always the most challenging for me in the Bible because I so love the picture of the loving, uh, good Jesus who would never necessarily hurt anyone, which is what we talked about in our Gary our episode with Gary Brashears. Mm-hmm. Um how there's this this reality of the love and the wrath of god and i think i i just think when we look at the consistency of god's character how do we interpret passages like this you know if we're applying this today you know we're in this coronavirus you know seek the lord and live or he will sweep through us and devour us like a fire what does that actually mean um I think these are harsh words and harsh warnings, but it reflects the reality that really when you boil it down, what God is saying is you have cancer, you have a disease. I'm offering you the cure. Like, please take the cure, take the cure and live, or you will be consumed by your own destruction. Um, And that's just something that everyone needs to hear. And it needs to be framed the right way. Not like, Hey, like repent or God's going to kill you because he hates Mm -hmm. you. And, but it's, God desperately wants the world to see we need him. And this is a moment right now where the world needs to to be reminded that we need God. We can't do this without him. Without him, we are on a sinking ship and it will sink if we don't get in the lifeboat.
0: Not to keep going back to our Gary episode, but just remembering the the phrasing that he used. Everyone will face God as either the lion or the lamb. And it is our choice which one will face him as. And so these verses to me they're pointing out I want you to face me as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. That's the way that God yeah. wants to relate with people. But if they refuse mm. to see him that way, then unfortunately, they will end up seeing him
1: another way. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we we should probably end the episode. Is, is there any final word of encouragement you'd want to give people? Brian, Like, what's what's the freshest thing on your heart right now just for people who are struggling?
0: One important thing I think to hang on and to remember is whenever it comes to uncertainty, the real issue is that it makes you live in seven different realities and only one of those realities is going to come to pass. You start Mm. living in what if scenario one happens? What if scenario two happens? What if scenario three happens? And then you're trying to prepare for seven different scenarios. And I would just yeah. encourage you, that's impossible to do. And, and you won't actually need to do it. Only one of those things is going to come to pass. So yeah. fortunately, mm-hmm. we have leaders who have given us helpful guidelines. We've all heard the calls to wash our hands better and to practice social distancing and to only go out for essential things and and our leaders are going to keep updating us and things like that not Mm -hmm. to steal your encouragement but just take it one day at a time sufficient for the day is its own trouble and that means that we should still be wise and look ahead and see potential danger in the future but all we can do is do the right thing
1: today yeah absolutely and i would end with again take it one day at a time look for opportunities This isn't a time to just sit back. This is a time for you to be the church, to look for opportunities to serve, look for opportunities to love, but most of all, look for opportunities to trust God, lean into this time, spend time with him, reconnect with him, repent of sin, receive his grace. And also to touch back on what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, Yes, fear is normal. Yes, it's okay. It's not a sin, but don't let it be the air that you breathe. It might irritate you. You might sneeze or cough in that fear. Have a moment, have a reaction of fear and anxiety, but then allow the Lord to be the air that you breathe because really the air that we breathe, it's its our choice. We can We can choose to keep our head up above and breathe the clear air, or we can stick our head in the dustbin don't stick your head in the dustbin. Like keep your lungs clear, your spiritual lungs with the breath of God, with the breath of the spirit. And the way you do that is you've got to counterbalance, you know, you've got the news that you're taking in, you've got the things that produce fear and anxiety. It's irresponsible for us to not be paying attention to that stuff. So please pay attention to what's going on, but then make sure that even more than that, you're seeking God, you're spending time with him, you're praying, you're fellowshiping with others, and you're just relying on him for every single need that you have in this very intense, very troubling time, but also a time that allows us to rely on God more than we have in a long time.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. We hope that this encouraged you and hopefully calmed some nerves and maybe gave you a little bit of a better framework for processing through all the different things that we're all feeling together.
1: Whether you're listening from your home or your rapture bunker or wherever you are, we just want you to know we love you and we care about you and we are so happy that this show is making a difference in your life. If you like our show, take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. Seriously, it helps so much. We need more reviews. I've been saying this every episode. We need your reviews. Give us your review. You have nothing else to do. Review it. You have nothing else to do. You're sitting at home. You're eating Cheez Its. Give us a we review. We don't even need
0: good reviews,
1: just reviews. Give us a bad Say review. Say whatever you want. We won't call you Worst out in the next episode ever. <laughs> if you want to help the show, just go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review. Seriously, like give us some stars. It doesn't have to be four or five. If you want to do three, you can. Two is where I draw the line. If you give us one star, I will find If you give
0: you. us one star, prepare to be talked about in the next episode. Well, we can't actually tell who did the yeah, we'll stars. We'll get their name. So. It'll be fine.
1: We'll pray and we'll receive a word of knowledge. And uh, there God there will go. show us your address in
0: prayer. <laughs> we love talking about listeners, specifically ones that are asking questions. So we would love to we, take... We like talking about listeners. Yeah, I feel like that was... <laughs> we enjoy talking about our that listeners. That was accurate. That's most of yeah. what our conversation is. If you have any questions or you have any thoughts about possible episode ideas, possible ways to decorate rapture bunkers, you know, whatever it is you want us to be talking (laughs) about in the episodes, we would love to incorporate your feedback. You can email us. It's goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. You can send us questions or ideas or wonderful drawings that you made while listening
1: to the episodes. Yes. And also you can join that group chat on Instagram. Send a message to me or Brian or the Good Lion account at goodlion.io if you want to be added.
0: The Good Lion Podcast is a production of Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host,
1: Brian Higgins. That's me. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Really quick, let's give a shout out to the first Good Lion Podcast that comes to your mind that's not our show. Let's count it down on the count of three. One, two, three. Expositors Collective. I should know the name before I say it. So, Lead to Serve with Ed Taylor. That's a great podcast. Check it out. And then Expositors Collective. Man, those guys are rad. They give us a shout out on their show in their outro. Um, They actually talked about your show, Brian, except instead of doing First Time Bible Teacher, they were like, Brian Higgins has this great podcast called Help Me Teach the Bible. That's close. Do you think enough. if you search for that, you find it? Maybe not. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Mike. That was still nice. It was very nice. Our, our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that help people as they walk closer with Jesus check it out. The website is goodlion.io. It's got lots of great stuff. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io slash support. We should change that to goodlion.io slash no (laughs) pressure. It's true. You know what? We actually got our first donor the other day. Bethany Peterson. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you, Bethany. Have you, your kindness is amazing. Have you met yeah. Bethany? I have. She actually was at Calvary Vista for a while helping out. She's amazing. I don't know who she is, but thank you. We should have her on the show. Thanks. Thanks, Bethany. Bethany, if you want to be on yeah. the show, open invite. If you want to be on the show, just donate and then you'll buy your way yeah. in. That's basically what we're saying, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.